Um, so let's go ahead and pray, and then um, we'll have somebody read that passage for us. <clears throat> Lord our God, creator, creator of all things seen and unseen, known and unknown, most holy and righteous are you, God. Greater than anything that our feeble minds could imagine, we thank you, Father, for bestowing on us the faith that we have, the lives that we have, the joy that we have in you. We pray this morning, as we read your word, that it would strengthen our faith, feed our joy, and enrich our lives. We ask for focus, open ears, open hearts, and open minds. Amen. All right, can somebody read uh, Hebrews 11, 1 through 10 for me? All right. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things that are living. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than he came, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah was Noah being warned by God concerning the events yet unseen, and in fear constructed an ark for saving for the saving of his household. By this he committed the world, and by this he did the world, sorry. Too many things. <laughs> Condemned the world and became the near righteousness that becomes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go, called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations. Thank you. All right. So, everybody know, does anybody know what Hebrews 11 is typically referred to as? The Hall of Faith. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's the Hall of Faith. We're going to see in the next couple of weeks all these wonderful examples of lived out faith by um, people who have come in the past. Um, some of them we're going to get a lot of detail on. Some of them we're going to get basically nothing on. Um, but just basically what their name was, what they did, and whatnot. So this is a really cool chapter. I think a lot of people know this chapter because they look to these people and they say, okay, this person, he's like an all-star Christian. Um, I don't think I can obtain to that, but at least I know that somebody has done this before. And since God is the one that helped them to do these things, uh, or enabled them to do these things, then he can enable me to have that kind of faith as well. Um, <clears throat> so today we're going to see what faith is, and then a few of those examples. Um, and I have four questions that I want us to answer um, before we actually get into looking at these um, 
three, four people um, in the first 10 verses. So those questions are, what is faith? How was faith applied to those in the Old Covenant? What happens when we have no faith? And then how does faith apply in the New Covenant? Or what does it do for those who are in the New Covenant? Okay? Everybody tracking with me? All right. So, first question, what is faith? The belief in something unseen, right? But not just something that we dream of or imagine, mm. but rather it is a response of confidence to what God has said. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first one gives us two things assurance and conviction. We kind of have a little bit of faith. Yep. So, assurance being, we have the sure, I'm sorry for using the word definition, uh, the sure understanding that the thing that I'm hoping for is actually, is actual. And the conviction, that it will come about. Hmm. So my conviction of it is a hard fact. If I put my foot on this rock, it will hold me. Um, right. That kind of thing. It's not. Joseph is like the, the prototype. Yeah. Amy too, but yeah. Joseph is. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, verse 1 basically gives us a pretty good working definition. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Um, the Britannica Encyclopedia definition is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So we we all have faith, right? Not just those in this room, not just Christians in general, but everybody, pagans and non-pagans alike. We all have faith in something. Corey made a great example. You put your foot, you know, on a rock, you have faith that that rock's not going to move, right? We have other very practical examples of everyday faith. You all drive cars or you get in a car with somebody who drives a car. You have faith that A, you're not going to die on your way to your destination, uh, but also that the car is not going to break down, right? That it's actually going to work going from point A to point B. <laughs> not everybody, you might not have a lot of faith that it's going to happen, but you're still getting in the car to, to make it move. Um, other things we have faith in, um, the sun is going to rise. It's also going to set. It's not just going to stay in one spot. Um, you know, that we uh, are not going to float away as we sit here and talk because there's this thing called gravity that God has created, right? So, that everybody, and you can't control those things as well, right? Like you, you have a little bit of say in if your car is going to work because you do maintenance on it, you put gas in it, oil changes, all that kind of stuff. But, well, hopefully, <laughs> but the sun rising and setting, you got no control over that, y'all. Gravity, absolutely no control. Um, the fact that you're sitting in these chairs and they're not breaking on you, you really, I mean, control your weight a little bit, but that's, that's about all you have control over. The chair itself is still has to actually stand, right? So we, we have these practical applications of faith 
and it doesn't have to apply to a deity, right? So I think that it's something that everybody can understand, but most of the time, obviously, when we think of faith, especially in our context, we think of it as towards the one true holy God, which is a perfectly fine and, and great way to think about faith. Now, something I've always found fascinating is when people look at us Christians and they say, you're just, you have blind faith in this God. You have blind faith that this is all, that's the definition of faith, guys. The things unseen, right? It's all blind faith. You have blind faith that your car is going to work, that the sun's going to rise, that you're not going to float away. So it's all blind faith, but that's what faith is. We can't control the thing, you know, that's going to happen, but we have faith, we have trust that that thing will happen, okay? So, yeah, go ahead. Even if we, even if your <laughs> accuser says, oh, but we have evidence because the sun has risen every day. Sure, sure, sure. That's actually observation, true, but but that's also a violation of logic because mm -hmm. correlation is not causation. Right. Yeah. And how do you know that that's going to happen tomorrow? That's right? The yeah. Sure. Something like you said that was helpful is uh, faith in that object. Yeah. It's not a faith. You know, I believe, right? Right. Even, like, I think you're right. Like, most of the time in America, it's normally faith in the one for God, but even when you take that for granted, some people just say, I have faith. And they don't think about the one they have faith to. Right. I mean, it's a very genius no, perfect. term, yeah. but it's it's an actual thing. It's conviction of something yeah. revealed in Correct. Yeah. We need. Yeah. Right. In what? <laughs> right. Or or the billboards, Jesus saves. How? Who? From what? <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, perfect, Forrest. Yeah, it, our faith and everybody's faith has an object, whether it's the chair, the car, gravity, the sun, God. We all have an object, and the strength of your faith de is determined not necessarily by how you feel, but by that object, right? We can only have so much faith that these chairs are actually going to stay, um, you know, supporting our weight. We can only have so much faith, maybe some of us less than others, that our car is going to get us to where we're going to go. But for the one true living God, our faith can be sure because he is unchanging, unchangeable, and he is the one living true God, right? Which we can say amen and praise the Lord to. We can have that blind faith in that one true God because of all the things, the evidences, the observations that we can have as Christians to see what he has done for us and for others around us. And Forrest has been uh, leading the last couple of weeks and been telling us all about how now we're getting into these real practical stuff and how we before this have seen a bunch of theology and showing us the the if we want to summarize Hebrews, what's the phrase? Jesus is better. Jesus is better, right? So Jesus being better than all these other things that we've already looked at, that's the object of our faith is who he is and what he's done. Any other thoughts on what is faith? Nope. <clears throat> All right. That's fine.
No, I appreciate the help. All right, so question number two. What did faith do for those in the Old Covenant? Or what was faith for those in the Old Covenant? It was a reassurance. Aspire to sort of way that they could go throughout their lives and knowing that there was an end goal. They may not have found quite that it was, but they knew that through their efforts of serving God, it wasn't in vain. Hmm. Right. Confidence continuing out. Yeah? <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's the same in our day, but um, in other ways, it's very different. Uh, for instance, they were, prom- they were completing promises. In shadows, right, and we don't have the shadow of the real thing, right. So this side of history and this side of Christ's ascension, we have Christ Himself. They mm-hmm. were believing in the promise uh, given to to Adam and Eve, right, um, that would pass through the generations, and that because of each generation they could see God's faithfulness in each of those generations to them. Mm-hmm. Um, their faith was bolstered, and like you have again Joseph. Who was in, you know, some patriarch, but a son of promise. Yeah. And he acted, mm. whereas most of the brothers did not. Right. Um, so that, I mean, their, their faith in the promise of God is going to crush that as Right. Yeah, no, they, they, their faith was in promises. It's, it's pretty basic. But it also, verse 2, Hebrews 11 verse 2 says, for by it, men of old gained approval, right? That's how they gained approval was their faith, which is interesting, not their works. But yet they still had all these sacrifices that we've been talking about, all these rituals that they still had to do. But it was the faith behind those things that gained them the approval, which I think is pretty, I mean, that's pretty significant, even for some people today who still believe that I still have to do this or that or this or that in order to get to God. They still don't have the faith, though. Yeah, in the old, in the old covenant, all they had were promises. The promise that the, the serpent would be crushed, promise of land, promise of deliverance, promise of a king, promise of a better king in the future, and promise of salvation. And all they could do was just have faith in those promises, have faith in the God that gave them those promises. And again, in order to gain their approval or their salvation. And in the people that we're going to see here today, in verse 4, it says, uh, Cain, through which he gained approval as being righteous. In verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken up and would not see death. Um, it's at the end, he said, and he was approved as being pleasing to God. So it's, we're, we're, we see that, what it is, and, and then we see it apply to some of these people as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, number three. So what happens without faith? What's life like without faith? It fails to please God. It's depressing. It's depressing. I mean, with no faith or no hope, none of that, it's a time of depression. Mm-hmm. Just going through the motions and there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a, a, the 
the every anxiety that everybody has without age that that anxiety is now higher. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like the way that God created us, created us to worship Him. Yeah. And we are most fulfilled and most happy and most satisfied and have the most joy and peace and all of those things when we are truly living our lives to worship Him. Mm-hmm. So then we fail when we fail to have faith, we can't go outside of the way that we've been created. We're going to worship something until we end up worshiping things that um, are sinful or wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not, it's not a sinful thing to to worship or to do, but it's a sinful thing to worship. Correct, yeah. And that ends up Yeah. Yeah. No, very good, yeah. Oh, you have your hand up. Go ahead. To make sure I'm not cutting out. Oh. I was doing a little bit Anyway, sure. Um, something I was thinking about as everybody's talking about that or like what happens when doing faith. Mm-hmm. I think Pharaoh is the prototype um, in the Bible. But, and Romans is screaming in here, I know, but um, Pharaoh um, in Exodus has no faith in this God. He does not know this God. And so he puts all his eggs naturally into the God that he should have hid himself. Mm-hmm. And so what does God do? Just full of every single one, right? In the, right, the Exodus. And he becomes the, that's kind of exactly what happens to something without faith in God today, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Not so dramatically, not with, not with like frogs in our living rooms <clears throat> or our water, not even the water. But, but um, it does tear down the idols of which we have committed ourselves to, mm-hmm. uh, committed ourselves to, to make ourselves. <laughs> And so I think um, Pharaoh, we look at him very closely, we see the example, the prime example of no faith. Every other mm-hmm. example in the Bible, like Ananias, Fire, for instance, mm-hmm. they were just like Pharaoh. They kept for themselves back something and then they lied about what they were given. Mm-hmm. They, all, they, all they had to say is, well, no, this is not all my mm-hmm. not all my stuff. This is all free mercy and all that. But this is what I'm going to give. And they would have been fine. They lied to the Spirit and said, this is everything. Right. And that lie was to preserve themselves, just like Pharaoh. Sure, preserve himself. Sorry, you're fine. No, Pharaoh was the <clears throat> yeah, no, it, it yeah, yeah, for lack of faith or or no faith. Yeah, I think it was. Go ahead. Uh, something I was thinking of too is that um, there's this idea that is something that is on the other side of the coin is that faith is up at the same time as much as it has like. Uh, consequently, without not having faith, has consequences. Um, it's also in some ways easier. Oh yeah, right. So it's, it's to not have faith. To not have faith. It's easier to not have faith. Like, Correct. Where it's easier for them to lie, you know, go into that sin than it is to confess and actually humble themselves. And I think, uh, I think even today, not having faith. Is, is easier in the sense of it's easier to just do whatever I want than it is to mm-hmm. have faith in what God says and what I have to do and what it's saying. It's easier to just go with what I see and rather than the promises that I don't see sometimes that are better. So, right. Because yeah. when you have faith, you also have responsibility, mm-hmm. right? When you have faith in God, you have a responsibility to live your life out like you actually have that faith. Yeah. And therefore, there's consequences. When you say you have this faith, but don't, or don't live like it, right? Rex? I think it was talking about 
the, the prototype, uh, it just started creating an image in my mind of the fact that the Red Sea is, is a, also a type mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the cross, and what, which I believe for years, but what that sparked within me is the thought that both Israel and Pharaoh approached Christ, approached the cross, but the one in faith mm. and the other in warfare. Yeah. And that's going to be the essence of those who are without faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one king, it, it reminds me of, of the t shirt I saw not too long ago, and they have mentioned it here. Uh, it, some demonstration was going on. I saw on the news a guy wearing a t shirt that said, If Jesus does return, kill him again. Right. Oh, I saw that. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the, and, and all these examples of people without faith or who have no faith in the true and living God, we see so many of them, especially in the Old Testament. Um, I'm trying to remember their names of the people that got swallowed up by the earth because they doubted Moses was the was Korah, sons of Korah and, and his whole family, right? They're, they, they had faith. Uh, they, they, had, they did not have faith that God had sent you know, Moses to be the representative and we're trying to over, overthrow him, right? And say, we're better than you, you're nothing, you know? And then guess what? They get swallowed up. It's just over and over again, we see it. I mean, the whole story of the people of Israel going through all the judges and their kings, I mean, the lack of faith there is palpable. It's ridiculous. Um, and, but even for us today, we still have those kinds of uh, things going on. So yeah, without faith, verse 6 tells us it is impossible to please God. Um, Not only is it impossible to please God, it's impossible to know God, and it's impossible to know what God has actually done, right? So, you know, the... The, I think the best statement that kind of envelops people that have no faith or the, the, the outlook on life, true outlook on life for people that have no faith actually comes from Dawkins um, because he's one of the most faithless people that I could think of. Um, he says that there is no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. That summarizes pretty much despair and chaos. It's horrible, but that's what that's what the life without faith in God truly is. It's there's nothing good, there's nothing bad. It's just blind, pitiless indifference. It ju- it just is. Life just is. I mean, I think you see that in terms of people being desensitized to human life. Mm. Right? Oh yeah. In terms of the culture, in terms of um, even everyday interactions with people. Oh yeah. People are Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's that the real world application to that is stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. I think the thing is, is um, we would look at a definition. We go back to really the definition of faith. Right. Okay. You said it's like there's a tangible for someone or something. Or right. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, you can look at it from perspective. And I think this is the perspective you're going through is salvation faith. 
Yeah, if you want to look up the the wonderful read, it's a uh, river out of Eden. It's I don't uh, recommend it, but dangerous that. Oh yeah. I mean, with with the mindset of someone who truly believes that statement to their core, my there is no morality. Yeah, that's the whole point. Or it's or it's, morality is what I make it, you know. It's 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 a ter it's a terrifying thought, really. Whenever we are, I think that in Romans when it said God gives them over to the desires of their hearts, you know, and in a few, yeah, that is the desire of of man's heart to say none of this is good or bad. I'm going to determine what I do because I'm autonomous and. And all this other stuff. It is terrifying. It's, but it's the real world as well, you know, at the same time. Yeah, right. Nobody lives like that, is correct. They, I mean, no, the saying is true. There are no babies in Bible. Mm -hmm. They're just nobody. They all pray to the one living true God. They don't even know who it is. They're like, please, God, help Right, right. It's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous. Mm -hmm. but it's also uh, just how we are programmed. We'll, we'll wire that. Mm -hmm. um, to to want to worship the back yeah. our lives at the most incomplete level, the, the least in control moment that we have, we always run after our Right. We're gonna take one more comment, and then we gotta right. we gotta keep going. We're gonna run out of time. I even started on time, and we're gonna run out of time. Go ahead. Well, just to build on the folly of that man. Yeah. Um, he even having said what he said. He also has the concept that atheists can be good people too. <laughs> and thinks that, and, and talks about how we can motivate society yeah. to be good without realizing that he's going to borrow 
from biblical theology to accept the fact that there is universal good. Right. They always, we always have to remind those who are proclaiming to be atheists or agnostics, look at your feet. Look at what you're standing on. You're actually standing on promises that my God gives you. Not that your God, a.k.a. you, gives you. And you have, you have no authority to stand on those promises either. So anyway, let's keep going. Um, so what does faith do now or for those in the, in the new covenant? And we're going to run through this one pretty quickly. So in the new covenant, yeah. So we looked at the what is faith? What did it do for those of old? What does it do or what is the lack of faith? And now what does it do for us today? It, go ahead. It creates, I mean, not creates, but it, uh, it is given that we see the truth who God is mm-hmm. as not the creator, like the first three is talking about. Right. We have that understanding, but as Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Jesus Christ is that Savior, even though uh, we don't have ever seen him personally put my hands in his my fingers and his nails, my hands are right. right, but I know that they're there. Right. Not because I feel things inside, but because I believe God when He says that God will return, right? So he's going to return right? Right. Um, one time, he's as real as he was 2,000 years ago. Right. He's real. Yeah, verse 6 and verse 3 really answer this uh, pretty well, in, in my opinion. Um, but it. We can answer this in a, in a lot of ways because we can see faith played out in a lot of ways, right, in, in our lives. But if we want to simplify it to three different categories, category one, it helps us to know God, like what Corey was just saying. Um, it helps us to know ourselves, and also it helps us to know the world and the purpose of it, right? Faith helps us understand all of that stuff. Verse uh, 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who draws near to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So we see just in verse 6 that helps us to know who God is and it helps us to know ourselves. Uh, And then back in verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared uh, by the word of God. Helps us to know the world. Helps us to see the purpose of it. It was created by God. God's not going to create something that has no purpose, right? So through his word, <clears throat> as well, we can see ourselves, him, and the purpose of the world. All right. So now let's look at these examples of faith that we're given. And really, there's just one main question that we want to just try to think through. We might not be able to talk it fully out for each one of them. Um, but the, the main question that I had for these people was, what was so faithful about blank about Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Abraham. Now, Abraham, we're going to barely touch on because he's talked a lot about a lot in the rest of the chapter, okay? But these other ones we'll, we'll kind of hit on. So um, starting with Abel, uh, Abel's uh, origin story, if you want to call it that, is in Genesis 4, uh, verses 1 through 10. We're not going to go and, and, and read all of it or anything like that. Oh, apparently we will will read some of it today. That's great. Um, 
But verse 4 here says, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he was approved as being righteous. God approving his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So what was faithful about what Abel did? I say it was good. Abel gave him his part, mm -hmm. and Cain gave more off of the servant. Like, okay, well, this is what I want to give. Abel gave, I saw that over the years, I and he gave more of his heart. Mm -hmm. He was already, he was doing it back to the Lord, and he was, it was a heart offering, not right. a physical even though they gave the same, I believe. Well, yeah. They gave the same, but Abel gave out of his heart right. to the God. King just kind of did a passive here. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that had to be a response to something God had expressed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think. The pro-evangelium being, you know, that Genesis 3.15 being a part of that, but also the fact that the sentence of death was not carried out on Adam and Eve mm. that day because a substitute died to clothe them in its innocence, mm -hmm. in its, which was a symbol of the righteousness of Christ in which we are clothed. Mm -hmm. And that something had to be explained to them in order for this to be a response of faith. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you can see in, in uh, Genesis 4, uh, 3 and 4, we see the difference between the two offerings. Verse 3 says, So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Verse 4, Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions, and the Lord had regard to Abel for his offering. So even just looking at the, the two sacrifices, Cain brought an offering to the Lord. It didn't say the first fruits of the ground. It didn't say the best fruits of the ground. But Abel brought the firstlings of his flock and their fat portion. So he brought an abundance, like you're saying, it's from his heart. But even the physical offering, being an abundant offering, shows where his heart truly is. And maybe even seeing how he's really being affected by his relationship with the true and living God. Did you have something, Corey? Um, go back to the king mm -hmm. um, That Their sin is not necessarily the offering provided. It's so hard to sure, but it has everything to do with what they, who they believe God is, mm -hmm. right? And, and Bob, in the knowledge of God, and his theology that we're going through, recommended. Um, uh, there's this quote, it said, God is known in proportion to the extent that he is love. Right. And so, what you see in Cain is that he is not known very well, he is not loved enough. Right, his heart is not actually bent toward him, but in Abel, you see that he knows this God because giving everything, the first thing that God has given him, and he is giving them return to him as love offering. So, that extent, that extent of the knowledge that they have of God is shown in their love for him, and that's a that's a huge. This is a also that particular. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, and at the end of verse 4 in 
chapter 11, it says, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. You don't have a ton of time to go through it, so I'm just going to say something about it really quick. But I want you to think about why does this one guy's death and his faith still speak to us? Well, you kind of hit on it a little bit. Um, It speaks because he's actually the first person to die. Not only the first person to die, the first holy person to die, also the first murder, also the first persecution, right? So this, from him and his death, we see death in abundance throughout history, right? But it started with one death from brother to brother. Um, So that's, that's how we still, that's how we see it in his death still speaking to us. All right, we got to move, sadly. Um, Enoch is the next one. Good old Enoch. Uh, we only have a grand total of seven verses about this guy in Genesis. Um, and only one of those verses, it doesn't even tell us about his life. All the other verses are all about his family connections, right? He's connected to a really cool guy named Jared. <clears throat> uh, uh his story is in Genesis 5, 18 through 24. Um, and it says that Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. Then Jared lived 800 years and became the father uh, after he became the father of Enoch and had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and then became the father of Methuselah. Great name. Um, then Enoch walked with God 300 years and became the father after he became the father of Methuselah and other sons and daughters. And then, uh, so all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And then here's the one thing we know about Enoch outside of who he's related to. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Not a lot of detail to go off of, uh, for, for Mr. Enoch here, but what was his faith? What was Enoch's faith? What, what was faithful about what he did? Well, you think the terminology that he walked with God is very like a sense of walking with God mm-hmm. and guarding. Mm-hmm. So it kind of alludes to the idea of that sort of like free fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely alludes to that original faith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he did it, but it Yeah. And it, it's hard to say, you know, how much of how much sin he actually had, because right, right, right. So I'm kind of like he had to have been super close and intimate with the Lord for him to take him up, so he didn't see that. Right. The further into a saying is that the Septuagint translates that uh, he pleased God. Mm-hmm. Right. Be very much like in line with a uh, man of faith walking with the same time, living in the garden like Adam and Eve, like an intimate knowing of God. <laughs> and if we have we know later about what we see about walking here, just the noble of the energy of even like Song Bon who walks in the ways of the Lord, we can probably say that this is not just like a one time event. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he uh three hundred and sixty five years of walking. You know, a whole, a triple, quadruple the life that a lot of people have. I mean, it's it's a long time for you to have and still be, like you said, be pleasing in, in um, Hebrews 11, 5. It says, and by faith, 
Enoch was taken up and he would so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For prior to being taken up, he was approved as being pleasing to God. Which is just astounding. Like we hear that man's heart is wretched, right? Beyond all measure, can't be repaired unless God takes it out and puts a new one in, right? No one's pleasing to God. No, not one. That's what we hear. But Enoch uh, was pleasing to God, which is which tells you the strength of his faith, which tells you the intimacy that he actually had with God, right? And we can, I mean, that that's amazing. Uh, I'm astounded by Enoch because, again, we just have so little about him. Um, he is mentioned again uh, in Jude, Jude 14 and 15, uh, and it portrays him kind of as a prophet of God. But there's a quote there. Um, that is actually attributed to, to Enoch from what is known as the Book of Enoch, which is not canonical, and we could spend a really long time on all that wonderful stuff. But anyway, um, it, Enoch is a special character, obviously, because he was pleasing to God, he walked with God, and then he was not, right? Um, he's also only one of four people that did not see death in via corruption, right? That would be... Enoch, anybody know the other ones? Trivia time. Elijah, Melchizedek, and Jesus, right? That's a, that's a pretty good, uh, that's, a, that's a power for it. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good team to be a part of. That's, that's pretty significant, you know? That's a very exclusive, thank you. That's a good way of saying it. Very exclusive club. Um, but again, it just, it tells us of his relationship. It tells us of his true faith towards God. All right, we have two minutes, so we're not going to get to Abraham, unfortunately. But again, he's expounded upon the rest of the time. So now we have Noah. He's in Genesis 6, 8 through Genesis 9, so a very long time. We all know the story of Noah, uh, you know, in a time of corruption and sin. Noah enters the picture. Um, God's really unhappy with the state of affairs, and he tells him, hey, I need you to build an ark because uh, I'm going to do this thing over and it's going to be through your family. Um, but think about Noah's situation. What was faithful about him? Obviously, he built the boat. He built the ark. But what's so faithful about building an ark? Uh, the persecution that he faced in terms of everyone thinking that he was crazy. Yeah. Because they're like, yo, the rain is not coming. Right. And so we had a lot of backlash in terms of the people around Right. And there's even a discussion that had, had it even rained ever, ever. Um, right. Yeah. And, and he's saying, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. God's telling me it's going to rain. A lot of people believe it hasn't rained and that God had just been watering the earth with the dew that hovered or the, the mist. Sorry, it says mist, not dew. Uh, the mist that hovers over the earth. Um, he was also 500 years old uh, when he was told to build the ark pretty uh, significant. They'd never seen rain. It took them a hundred years to build the ark. I, time just must have been quite different back then. I just can't imagine. I just cannot imagine. Like, hey, yeah. 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 Same thing you do every day. Build in the ark. <laughs> right. Well, um, yeah, the flood starts in his 600th year in Genesis 7, 6. It tells us that. So what do we learn from Noah? Uh, well, the 
the definition of faith is pretty evident. Things not seen, hope, you know, the faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, hopes that God's telling him the right thing, you know, to build this ark because he's going to start over with my family. I've never seen rain. Don't know what that's about. All right, let's do this. You know, he had some significant faith to go forward through the persecution that he had from everybody a hundred years. That's faith, man. I mean, I please, Lord, don't let me live 600 years. But my goodness, if, you, you know, if I had a hundred years to do one thing that God has called me to do, that that's significant, right? So we can learn from all these people, including Abraham, who we'll, who we'll hear more about later, um, that our faith is focused, again, back on that one object, right? That one object being the one true holy and living God. We can say amen and thank you, Lord, to the faith that he's given us. And our faith, I mean, we all still have that same faith that all these wonderful, crazy examples had, right, back in the day. It's all the same God, um, and he hasn't changed. Um, So remember what it says in verse 6, for he who draws near to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The Lord rewards those who seek him. Now, we all know that does not mean you're going to have a mansion and never get sick and all this other stuff. You're still going to have persecutions. You're still going to go through trials. You're still going to have all these things that are very difficult to, to mentally wrap your mind around or even physically get through. But we have faith in the one true living God who will get us through those things. Amen. All right, let's pray.